Hello, everyone, and welcome into this edition of the Sports Detective Podcast. I am your host, James Williams, and today we talk to Albie Shore, a reoccurring guest on this show, and we touch on a lot of stuff. We touch on mostly Big 12 stuff. We talk about does TCU need to go undefeated to make it in the playoff? Is there a path for one loss conference champion to make it to the playoff this year unless you are in the SEC or the Big Ten? We talk about that. We also talk about some other Big 12 topics, why Texas is struggling. We talk about the weird West Virginia head coaching situation with Neil Brown where they really want to hire fire Neil Brown, but they don't have the money to. They also don't have an athletic director because they just fired their athletic director. We talk a little bit about that mess there. We also have about a 20-minute detour in this conversation. We also went way longer than I was planning. We talked for about an hour. We had a little bit of a detour where we talked about head coaching in college football and how that dynamic's changing with us seeing some coaches turn around their programs almost immediately when they step on campus and other coaches struggling in their first few years and what that means for the future of head coaching in college football. We talk about that for a while. We also, because tomorrow, Texas Tech, Albee School, and Iowa State, my school, are playing tomorrow, 5 o'clock Central Time. Eyes of the Nation will be watching. We preview the Texas Tech-Iowa State game for the last maybe 10 minutes of the podcast, so if you want to listen to that, go ahead and fast forward to that. Really good conversation with Albee. We like having him on because he's opinionated he knows this stuff and he cares a lot about this stuff and that's all we ask for is that you care and you're passionate about it and you bring interesting topics to the table and that's where we're glad we had this conversation with him without any further ado here's our conversation with albie shore all right joining us is albie shore who is the host of the tortillas and takes podcast podcast about texas tech sports uh albie i want us to start off here talking about tcu big 12 football i want to talk about tcu's path to the playoff because i was looking at the rankings if you go through some brief history of how the playoff is like set up if you look at how the big 12 is set up this year where the big 12 really only has i think is i can't remember is oklahoma state rated or ranked they are still currently ranked at 22nd uh, only, not for long, but they are still currently ranked. Yes, but they only have three ranked teams right now. And I think with the rest of TCU's schedule and with some of the other teams that are set up in other conferences, I think their only way, and I, I'll go over that here in a second, but I think their only way to make the playoff is if they go undefeated. Do you think that, or do you think they could get in with a one-loss conference champ? No, nah, they got to go undefeated. They should. I, I will say this: they should be able to get in with one loss. They should. They're not going to though. Like the, the one loss, a uh, one loss Iowa or uh, sorry, one loss TCU isn't getting in over a two loss Alabama or getting in over a two loss Tennessee, or or uh, um, or two loss LSU. Like all those teams are going to get in over over TCU. TCU doesn't have the name recognition like a, as a Texas, for example. Remember when people were saying the Texas with two losses might be able to make it, right? They don't have that name recognition. Just the other day on ESPN, they were talking about how TCU 
TCU hasn't played anybody. And TCU's the, like the, the idea that the con- Big 12 conference is just down this year is, is kind of asinine, right? Like from top to bottom, the Big 12 is, is as I would argue, this is one of the strongest years depth-wise the Big 12 has ever had. There's a chance right now that all 10 teams could make a bowl game. Like that's a realistic chance right now as we talk, as we speak, right, to where – all 10 teams could potentially win a bowl game. At the very least, all 10 teams are good, uh, are likely to get five wins here. And so that tells you how deep it is, but nobody cares about that. Nobody cares about how deep you are. They just care about who's at the top. And other than TCU, we just don't have anybody like that. So for TCU right now, their final games, I look at their schedule. They have Baylor this week. Iowa State, unranked Baylor this week, which Baylor was supposed to be very good, but they've kind of slipped this year. Quarterback Iowa State. Yeah, yeah. They have Iowa State at the end of the year. And then a ranked Kansas State will likely be their opponent in the Big 12 championship game. And they need Kansas State to stay ranked to really – because I would even argue their undefeated uh, piece may be at stake if if a couple other SEC teams and Big 10 teams uh, stay with it. But um, undefeated, they should make it. But they they I think one loss won't be enough. So right now I have it written down that there's probably nine teams that at least will have or could potentially have a case to make the playoff. You have Georgia – think that's pretty self-explanatory tennessee if they went out you just say like hey we're the second best sec team put us in lsu if they went out sec championship even with two losses you have a win against alabama and georgia on that resume i think they'd probably get in tcu we talked about michigan ohio state like one of them will get in it's a debate of who but again they a one loss for one of them, they have that Tennessee argument. USC, USC, now these Pac-12 and ACC teams, they have to win out. And even if they win out, I'm not sure. USC, uh, Clemson, UNC. But, I mean, even USC, they would probably be the most likely because they play UCLA this week, who's ranked. They play, um, who do they, they play Notre Dame next weekend, and then they play a ranked team in the Pac-12 title game. Yep. So they would even have maybe a better case. So like, yeah, I, I'm glad you agree. And then what, what happens if what, and then you have to argue what happens in a scenario where Georgia um, or Tennessee wins out, Georgia wins out, uh, does a one loss Tennessee leapfrog TCU, right? Because they don't have to play each other anymore. Like that's that, that side of the SEC East is done. So they don't have to play each other anymore. So what happens if that league frog happens? You just mentioned USC. Like, as I'm saying, an undefeated TCU isn't even guaranteed to make the playoff. Because you could very well have a situation where there's a leapfrog situation happening there. Um, I, well. I think if they're undefeated, yeah. they're they're not going to have a choice. They're, they're going to have to put them. It's like Cincinnati last year. I don't – listen, I don't put – I don't – no, even Cincinnati last year, if Oklahoma State wins that game against Baylor, I don't see a Cincinnati getting in. Even undefeated, Oklahoma State wins that game against Baylor. Oklahoma State leapfrogs them and gets into the playoff. Um, it was kind of like a, a – a, I felt last year was more of a, all right, damn it, we don't have anybody else to put in the playoff, Cincinnati. Here you go. <laughs> you know? And I think they're going to be reluctantly doing the same thing to TCU this year as long as, you know, I think the biggest question is really, like you said, USC, Clemson, and and a one-loss Tennessee as being the biggest threats to, to leapfrog in TCU. The only difference with uh, TCU this year, so they've they've actually beaten five teams that were like ranked at the time that they beat them, mm-hmm. and I think the the prestige of the Big Twelve Conference was just a little bit better than the American because there's a lot of bad teams in the American. Yeah, and last year was a really bad year for them too. Like already, Americans already weak, and then last year 
last year was a very weak year for the American. They're actually stronger this year. If anything, Cincinnati would have had a stronger case had they gone undefeated this year as opposed to last year. The thing with TCU and the Big 12 in general, too, is like you said, it's it's top to bottom. It's the deepest conference in the country, especially with Kansas being good this year. Like it, it's the deepest conference. The only thing is, is that it's there's really isn't like a top heavy team, you know, like like every other conference is kind of top heavy. Yeah. Like, like look at the Big Ten this year. It's basically just three teams and it's really kind of just two. If we're really being honest, like the Big Ten West is like horrible. <laughs> like there's like four teams that are tied for first in that conference in the Big Ten West right now. And you even if you look at the SEC, it's more top heavy. Yeah. The Big 12, every team can beat any team, but every team can also like lose to every team too. So it's actually kind of impressive that TCU actually has been able to go under in this stretch with a backup quarterback too, because they're the only team like Oklahoma State had their quarterback get hurt. Baylor had their quarterback get hurt. Texas had some trouble keeping theirs on the field. Same thing with Kansas. Oklahoma uh, lost Gabriel during the Texas game. I wish Iowa State's quarterback got hurt. (laughs) (laughs) I think actually now, after going through it, I think y'all are the only school that hasn't had quarterback injuries. I think every single other school in the Big 12, with y'all in West Virginia, every other school in the – no, because Garrett Green played the other day. Yeah, so it was just y'all. Y'all are the only school in the Big 12 that have not had quarterbacks going back and forth or any type of quarterback injury. Uh, Tech can't keep a healthy quarterback as of right now. and uh, But here's, here's Hunter Deckers. Every day he shows up ready, ready to work. Somehow, somehow, some way. <laughs> he takes some hits too. Yeah. Throws the, throws the ball a lot. Are you surprised at all with how good TCU has been this year? It's oh, not like they've been, yeah, like it's I'm, not like they've been like super crazy dominant, but like going ten and zero. I mean, I think even if they were eight and two right now and winning uh, the conference, it'd be so really impressive. Before the year started, I so I'm I'm actually gonna start making this my like every year I have, I'm just so very wrong about one team every <laughs> year. I, I'm usually really right about most teams, like nine out of the ten teams in the Big Twelve. Plus, plus minus two, two, uh, two games. I'm usually pretty right, right? There's always one team I'm wildly wrong on. Last year was Baylor. Last year I was like, oh, Baylor's not going to make a bowl game. They're not going to be that good. I think I picked them like seventh in the conference, and then they they won it, right? Like I was very wrong about Baylor. This year I had TCU finishing ninth in the conference. I did not think they were very good. I thought TCU and Tech were about the same. I think I picked. A, I had Tech eighth, TCU ninth, um, both going. I think I both teams going um uh either three and six in the conference i want to say i'm like just i just didn't believe in tcu whatsoever I, I and i and i still stand by the fact that i don't think the roster is that great right with the first i thought that um you know you can have a new quarterback new head coach that combination almost never works and so to me i'm like tcu just gonna have a rough year as would tech as will you know all these other teams having with as will oklahoma i did pre- get that one right um, and they've they've just blown me away. There's I would have never predicted TCU to be undefeated. I wouldn't have predicted TCU to have seven wins at this time or six wins at this time. Um, so I'm going undefeated has been a shock. And to be honest, I had big hater energy on TCU for weeks as they went through. I'm like, they still ain't played nobody. And then they beat Oklahoma State, and I was like, well, you know, they played somebody and they won. Oh, and they beat Kansas State. I'm like, ah, they played somebody and they won. And they've just been, and they're not blowing anybody out, but they're. Well, except for Oklahoma, but they're constantly, consistently getting the job done. And so I got to give it up to Dykes. 
I watched that first game with them where they played Colorado. Now the final score, I believe they like beat them by a few touchdowns, but that game was a lot closer than like it needed to be for a while in that game. Yeah. Uh, I remember watching that game. They were kind of making like dumb mistakes and it was clearly they're like way more talented than Colorado. But like I was seeing that stuff and I'm like, oh, like they're going to be this team that you look at that's like pretty talented, but they just like keep kind of kind of like a Texas dynamic where they just do stupid things and like shoot themselves in the foot so yeah i'm really surprised like you know dykes has really been able to turn this thing around and he's become like a star in the sport to a degree the fact that uh he turned around if you're talking about like the three new big 12 head coaches you probably would have picked benables to be the guy that like would be the guy that would be competing for a conference title not dykes yeah yeah, I mean, and I think what I will say with Venables, I think people really underestimated just how much influence Lincoln Riley has had on Oklahoma Sooner football for the past eight years. And when I say eight years, I'm not just talking about when he was a head coach. I'm talking about when Bob Stoops was the head coach and he was the OC. Like Lincoln Riley has had his fingerprints all over Oklahoma football for a long time. And Sooner fans came in saying that, oh, well, no, it's just the talent. That's all that we just, we're just so much more talented. And that's why we're winning. It has nothing to do with the coaching. That's just asinine in football. In the sport of football, that's just, that's wildly, you, it's never, you can't just say it's just the players. You need good coaching too. And um, I think Oklahoma fans are seeing it. I still don't think Venables is a bad coach. I, I really don't. But you had a guy that has fingerprints all over the program for the past eight years leave, and a new guy comes in, and it's not, it's not, it's just not going to be seamless. Um, and, and the idea that it would just be, you know, for Oklahoma fans that watch Texas every year, you would think they would know better, but they, they didn't. And now they're suffering Texas results. I think people like Dykes too. I think this is going to start setting a new president in the sport. If it's not already been set already, like Dykes, Heupel at Tennessee, Lincoln Riley at USC, Leipold at Kansas to a lesser degree where if you don't turn around, you get the job and you don't turn around the program right away. Like there's going to be, you know, people are going to come for your head yeah, because they're going to point another situation and be like, wait, why did, you know, Sonny Dykes first year at TCU just turn everything around like that, especially with the transfer portal. Same thing with Lincoln Riley. I don't know if it's the case anymore, but like the new first year head coach at Duke right now is doing like, you Mike know, Elko, he's doing great. Yeah, he's doing better than the Miami coach. You, UConn, you, UConn's another one. They're about there. I think they just clinched the bowl, uh, a bowl berth. You're, I think it's a transfer portal, right? Like that. It used to be that you had to give a coach at least three to four years to get his guys in, right? Like that used to be a thing. Well, now coaches can get their guys in year one, year two, you know, year two, half the team, most of the team is filled with quote unquote their guys. So, like, it's, I mean, you look at a guy like Matt Wells for tech, it, it Two and a half years, and then he was already and – and we're – I would argue that we're a more patient fan base than most. And two and a half years, we're like, get this guy the hell up out of here, <laughs> you know, because you you bring in your, you bring in your team, you're bringing your staff, and you're losing to Kansas year one. And that, that accelerates um, the disgust that people have. And let's face it, Matt Wells wasn't people's first choice to begin with. Uh, you look at Houston, for example, they're not too fond of their of, of the guy they've had in the last few years. And you, like you said, when you see guys like Dykes and you see guys that are being successful immediately, you're like, why the hell can't we be like that successful? And so people have been talking about college football turning into the minor leagues of the NFL for a long time now. I think that's another part of it. In the NFL, you'll get a couple of years to turn it around and you're, you're fried. And the same thing is about to start happening. And then not only that, but midseason firings, right? Like that's now starting to become a thing. Getting that head start. Last year, Tech fired Matt Wells midseason. 
it's honestly, it's been good. It's been good. That firing helped. It helped us get a jump start on um on recruiting. Joey McGuire, right now, we have right now he's on course to have the greatest recruiting class in Texas Tech history. Last year, he got a head start on the 2022 class, which was which has already paid dividends. So, like, it's more and more of that you're gonna start seeing more of those midseason firings, more of those early season firings. Wisconsin firing their coach like two, three weeks within the season, not even waiting two more weeks to have the have a uh the buyout drop, like saying, like, let's get our, our guy up in here, give the interim a chance, and or get a new guy in as soon as possible. And maybe that new guy will be Lance Leipold, but um, yeah, we're going to start seeing more stuff like that sooner rather than later. A lot of things you said there, I found very interesting. I also wonder too, that even with coaches that have been around forever too, at some places, if teams are going to start getting less, I mean, SEC big 10 is different. Like, like Wisconsin firing uh, Chris, that was like an sec move and that was like we're having this big tv contract coming in soon like we can afford to let this guy go if it's not working like he had the same record as brett belima when he got fired basically and i i think i I think it was a bad decision to be honest he's had in in his career with wisconsin this was the one bad non-covid year like the covid year wasn't great and then this was a bad year this is the first bad year i mean he's been pretty successful at wisconsin I, i i i all those teams, especially in the Big Ten, don't pull a uh, Bo Pelini, Nebraska, where you feel like you're better than you really are. Don't pull a Tom Herman at Texas, right? Tom Herman, funny enough about Tom Herman, and I say this to all long-term fans I know. Bring him back. He had the same winning percentage at Texas as Texas's lo- Texas Longhorns winning percentage all time. He is what you are. You are not he really? Alabama. He that. does. Yeah, he does. It's, it's, it, it's right there. He, you're not, you're not Alabama, you're not Miami of the '90s, and you never have been. I think everybody keeps saying like the whole is Texas back thing. Um, what is back for Texas? Because the Vince Young years is actually as great as it's ever been, right? Like that's the even the, the prime DKR year. That's as great as it's ever been. That's not being back. It was that's the short lived periods. Texas, for the most part, are a nine and three program. That's how they. That's what they've always been a nine and three program. And that's what Tom Herman was. He was consistently nine and three and they didn't find that was good enough. And now two years into the Sark experiment, it hasn't worked because guess what? You can do a lot worse than Herman and Nebraska found out they can do a lot worse than Bo Pelini. They were tired of winning, not going nine and three every year. They never got to 10 wins and they haven't gotten been to a bowl game since. And I'm, I'm worried. And Wisconsin ain't too far from Nebraska. Like, well, like I think Wisconsin got to realize that thing, uh, that thing too, of like, it's that very well that very same thing could easily easily happen to you at wisconsin and i think they need to be careful themselves i also think too i'm wondering maybe even some of these like i was thinking more on the lines of like stanford with david shot who's probably gonna get like something's probably gonna happen soon with that one you know pat fitzgerald at northwestern last year so it's been slipping a little bit yeah it's a little bit less – the heat's a little bit less off of Iowa now since they've won the last few weeks. But I'll tell you this, like the frustration level here in Iowa for what, you know, the Ference experiment with the offense, it was really, really bad this year. Yeah. And it was like the conversations of like, do you just fire the head coach so that you can also get rid of the offensive coordinator? Because he's not going to fire his son at offensive coordinator. And part of me was kind of wondering earlier this year, especially with how good Dykes is going, because, you know, 
TCU kind of did that last year when they got rid of Fitz or uh, Patterson. Where like Patterson built the program, he was the program. Yeah, and they got rid of him, and like immediately, like that was the right decision. I don't think if Gary Patterson was at TCU right now, they'd be ten and zero, staring at a potential playoff berth, the first ever, like maybe one of the best teams that they've ever had. And I'm just, it's gonna be very curious to see, especially with more money flowing into like at least the SEC and Big Ten, what some of these schools start doing. Yeah, I mean, it, it will be interesting. I think David Shaw and, and um, Pat Fitz, or, and Fitzpatrick, or, or sorry, Pat Fitzgerald, are um, interesting cases because there's an argument that also their schools could potentially be holding them back, right? Like Pat Fitzgerald, I think, should have pulled James Franklin a long time ago. There's only so much you can do at Northwestern, right? And, and for David Shaw, um, you know, he's probably the second or third greatest Stanford coach of all time, right? But again sustaining that people forget how bad Stanford was before Harbaugh. Like they were very bad. They were one of the worst programs in the country. They were Kansas bad and um, pre 2022 Kansas bad. And um, Harbaugh built them up. David Shaw sustained it for a while, but you know, it's keeping it there is I think for David Shaw's worth, I mean, I mean he kind of out, out, outstayed his welcome there in a way of like it's time eventually you got to figure out when it's time to leave james franklin knew at vandy seven and five is about as good as i'll ever get it i got to get out of here as soon as i can or they're gonna fire me eventually because eventually i'm not gonna be able to sustain this and Derek mason i didn't think was a bad coach at vandy and he i think he went like five and seven at vandy that's like going eight nine wins anywhere else five wins at vandy is amazing i don't care right but he gets fired because of it because you know vandy's in the sec and the and uh, actually, funny enough, uh, a friend of mine told me this. The problem with being the head coach at Vandy is you don't have Vandy to play. Like, you yeah. know, there's there's no Vandy. Same thing with Kansas. problem with being Kansas is you don't have Kansas to play. And so, like, that's that's the issue there. And so it's very hard to sustain that, um, you know. And we'll we'll see if Lance Leipold takes the – if he decides, you know what, let me get out of here is, is when I can, or if he says I'm going to be in it for the long haul and try to be a uh, – the the Bill Snyder of Lawrence. I think that's an interesting point you brought up too, because it's like, I almost think too, sometimes you can also jump too early. And I don't think you need to jump at every single opportunity that comes along when it comes to like head coaching. Like, I don't know if you've ever had to deal with this, but like every year when a co I think it's kind of simmered down a little bit since Iowa State hasn't been as good, as good this year. But like early on in the year, like like Nebraska head coach job comes up and first candidate, Matt Campbell. <laughs> yeah. It's like, one, is you can maybe say, is Nebraska even a better job? Two, I mean, Iowa State and Nebraska, when Nebraska was in the Big 12, had a big rivalry. So like if you really want to burn your bridges with the Iowa State fans, go to Nebraska and see what happens. Yeah. But it's like, it's like, when do you make that jump? You know, like like Frost had like two years of head coaching experience and he's supposed to come to Nebraska and just clean up this whole mess and take him back to the nineties. And like other people, it's like like I think Hypel only had like he didn't have much head coaching experience before he took over at Tennessee. But Leipold, you said that. I mean, I don't think he's gonna leave for Nebraska. I don't think that'd be a good decision. But would he leave for Wisconsin? Maybe. When once the next time Wisconsin he's from Wisconsin out. too. He is he's from Wisconsin, yeah. And so, yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I think so. I, w I will say with Matt Campbell, I've been praying for him to leave Iowa State for a while now. 
Um, I, I, I've been I'm now praying for Leipold to leave Kansas too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, like I needed, I grew up when Iowa State wasn't great. And so like for Texas Tech, that was like, okay, we have a win against Kansas. We have a win against Iowa State. We're good, right? And then y'all started beating us and beating the hell out of us. And um, it's in the Matt Campbell era. We've beaten y'all. Last year was the first time Texas Tech has beaten Matt Campbell, um, period, point blank. And so, uh, so I've been waiting for it for a while. But I, I do think at the beginning of the year when they were talking about Matt Campbell to Nebraska or Wisconsin or wherever, you know, it's very interesting for Matt Campbell because I, I come up with the question of he's turned down so many jobs before. And it's been known that for a while, the only two jobs that he would potentially go for was Ohio State and Notre Dame. And Ohio State and Notre Dame, when they let go of their coaches, both of them just promoted from within. And Ryan Day will be there forever. And even uh, Notre Dame, uh, um, uh, I forgot name, but Notre Dame's new head coach, he's kind of re- regrouped a little bit from the early season problems he's had. Marcus Still not a great Freeman. year. Mar- Marcus Freeman, yeah. Still not a great year, but at least he's it's not an awful year, right? Um, and if he has a if he has a good career in Notre Dame, that's now filled. And then either way, that's another three, four years that 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 Campbell's away from those two jobs. So for Campbell, I, you know, I was questioning early in the year. So what is what is his end goal? Like I think for him now, it's a question of okay, well, what is my what is my career plan? Do I want to be in Ames forever? And maybe that is his plan to be Gary Patterson, to be Snyder, to be that guy that's at one place forever. But if you ever wanted to leave Iowa State. Now you kind of have to readjust readjust your thinking of, well, do I go to Nebraska? Do I go to Wisconsin? I think a good example, different sport, Chris Beard at Tech. I'm going to say this weirdly, but I think Chris Beard had that same thought of, do I want to be at Texas Tech forever? Because if not, this Texas job, it's where I went to school, it's where my undergrad is, is here. And it's either I take this job now or I stay at Texas Tech forever. And he decided he didn't want to be stay at Texas Tech forever. So, you know, and I think that's Mark Adams does Mark Adams. He's a, he's a tech boy. He wants to stay at Texas tech forever. Duke come call Mark Adams. He ain't gone. But eventually these coaches, you have, when you've been at somewhere for a while, you have this thought of like, what is my career goal? Like, what is my plans? Am I staying at the school that I helped build up forever? Or am I deciding, you know what? It's time for me to take the big, the big leap and go to a, Wisconsin and Nebraska is not a huge leap, but I'll say this, Nebraska, you have a lot of resources may not be, it's going to be very difficult to win there, but you are going to have every resource at your disposal to be somewhat successful. And if you are to get Nebraska back, you will be a God in Lincoln. The problem is that's much, much, much easier said than done. I think another person that, you know, made a jump and it didn't work out was Matt rule. I think Matt rule turned Baylor around like that. Yeah. And then, I mean, he's, he might be the person that takes Nebraska job or he might, you know, yeah, he might, or he might even go to Wisconsin. Who knows where he could go? He he could go to a lot of different places, but he, he jumped. And then that, you know, he was a disaster in the NFL. Now, whether that was that all his fault, was that the fact that they couldn't get a quarterback? There's a lot, you know, the owner seems like he kind of like colludes a lot there. But I mean, when you talk about Campbell, Campbell's kind of a guy where like if he was in the SEC, if he was an SEC coach, Iowa State would have fired their offensive coordinator, like I don't know, week six or something this year, or if they wouldn't have fired him four years ago or something. And I think Campbell's a guy that's like, he likes to keep things under wraps. Yeah. He doesn't like the press. Like he can, he can do whatever he wants at Iowa State. So that's another that's another good point, right? Like at Iowa State, he has a lot of control, and y'all give mm-hmm. him a lot of access, a lot of control. Y'all, he if he says jump, y'all say how high. And Nebraska, it ain't like that. 
Wisconsin's not like that, right? There's a lot of people you have to answer to. It's the same problem that coaches have had with Texas. At Texas, you have a lot of people you have to answer to. Is it worth it, right? Is it worth making that jump to Texas where certain things aren't good enough, right? A&M, Jimbo stays at Florida State. And Florida State's not an easy job either. All right, Florida State has a lot of its own, own issues, but Jimbo was kind of the man of Florida State. You want a national championship. Well, now you're at AM and 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 um, expectations are a little different. And if you don't win a national championship, people are on your back, and now you're about to miss a bowl game. So, like, <clears throat> it's, you know, weighing those things of, like, what will actually make you happy. It's interesting. I, I do think if Matt Campbell doesn't leave Iowa State in the next, like, couple years, it's he's there's no reason for him to ever leave. Yeah, it'll be interesting, like, He's turned down NFL jobs. I don't know if you you probably wouldn't remember this, but like a few years ago, uh, the now Lions head coach, Dan Campbell, he said that like, I think he was jokingly saying this, but he was like, I was trying to just say that like my last name was Campbell. So they thought I was Matt Campbell so that they would like hire me, which they ended up hiring him. I know the Jets, (laughs) uh, my brother sent me a fake article like a few years ago saying that the Jets hired Campbell. Um, I know he was at least a candidate. Yeah. Last year, Washington by report. I don't know if it was reported as much in the Iowa State media, but I have a guy that's coming on next week who does a, a Washington podcast. Basically, Washington came to Ames and said, You want to go and coach University of Washington? We'll give you eight million dollars a year. Like that, that that was the offer I'm pretty sure that they, they gave him. And he said no to it. Yeah. So who knows what his end goals are? I do think. Like I was talking to somebody last year too that was uh covers Cincinnati and Luke Fickle's kind of the same way. It's like if Ohio State or Notre Dame comes open, those are the yep. two jobs that that you're worried about. And then last year when Notre Dame come came open, we were all like, uh, <laughs> what's gonna happen here? But speaking of head coaching situations, transitioning here, West Virginia head coaching situation. So they want to fire Neil Brown. They have pretty good expectations there they were a really good team like in the big east when the big east was around geno smith west virginia legends lighting up the nfl right now um i remember the days of Tavon austin maybe one of the most impressive performances i ever saw in jack trice stadium was Tavon austin just running all over the place they want to fire neil brown they fired their athletic director the only problem is it's a 20 million dollar buyout to get neil brown out and they might not have that money to do that and hire like a whole new coaching staff. So they're in a weird pickle here where they have to hire a new AD. Then they'd have to make the decision to fire Neil Brown. Then they'd have to have a whole coaching shirt. It looks like to me that he might just be the coach next year. What do you think? I think he's definitely going to be the coach next year. But I, I think the thing is, is that um, <clears throat> the weird thing about Neil Brown is he has nobody else to fire either. He's already made all his firings. He's already done yeah. that coaching thing of the hot seat of like, oh, I got to fire my offensive coordinator, my D. He's already done that. So he has nobody else. To, like right now, <clears throat> coming into this season, um, they Graham Harrell, new new offensive coordinator on the market, right? USC, uh, he was over at USC. His head coach gets fired. Uh, so he's just hanging out, waiting for somebody to pick up his call, uh, or call his phone. Neil Brown says, hey, man, please, for the love of God, come to West Virginia. And everybody's very excited about it. They get JT Daniels. Everybody's excited about it. Coming into this year, a part of me is like, bro, if you don't win with these guys, I don't think you'll ever win. And we're now sitting here 10 weeks into the 11 weeks into the season. They're four and six. And so, the but like you said, it's a $20 million buyout, new AD, 
My guess is he's a head coach in 2023, but it's a lame duck season. The AD is just going to bide his time, maybe fire him halfway through the season when he's, you know, two and four and, and kind of do the new age thing of getting a head start on the very next year, getting a head start on the coaching search. Uh, but I, you know, it's, it's, so I do think he's going to be the coach because of that buyout reason, because you want the new AD to be able to hire his own guy. Um, but also dude, you got Graham Harrell here. Like it, it falls solely on you and you, <clears throat> You've been losing games while scoring points. Like, so now it's not even a thing, a situation where it's, it's, oh, just the offense or just the defense. I mean, you're losing games where you only, against Tech, you only had 10 points on offense, yet the following week against TC, you put up 31 and lose, right? It, like, it's, it's, it's a whole thing where the team overall isn't very good. And Neil Brown, you can ask, if you listen to my pod, Tortillas and Takes, I've, I, for a while, was a big fan of Neil Brown. Actually, in the Matt Wells coaching search, I was one of the ones that said, hey, what about Neil Brown, right? Um, I thought he was great at Troy. And I thought he was gonna, I thought he was going to be really good at West Virginia. And I, and I was wrong, flat out wrong. He has not been good at West Virginia whatsoever. Uh, the problem is, is that since Rinchrod, since the Big East, nobody has. They have not been good since Geno Smith's last year, which was West Virginia's first year in the Big 12. Holgerson uh, where, was pretty good. Holgerson was decent. You are right. Holgerson was decent, and they hated him. <laughs> Holgerson was decent hated him um and uh yeah so i it's just but they haven't been great i should say not good but they haven't been great since geno smith's first year they were undefeated top five team in the country and they came into the jones and got smacked and uh then that's when the losing started and they haven't really been able to recover they have i don't think they've had a 10 win season since um since the last year of the big east and uh but it's it, i think that's another place that's a little bit tougher to win Right, you don't have the same rivalries you used to. So Virginia Tech, you don't play Virginia Tech anymore. You, Pitt was um, outside of non-con. Pitt, you played them this year for the first time in, in almost a decade. Um, you don't really play Virginia anymore, so you don't play those people around you, Maryland, any of those teams. And then not only that, but it's not a recruiting hotbed either. So it's it's tough. I do think when Cincinnati comes to the conference, it'll be easier for West Virginia because then you can now now you can recruit in Ohio, which is a better recruiting hotbed um, in this in that general area. So I, I do think it will get better for West Virginia for the next guy in 2024. Uh, but Neil Brown will make it just one more year. I think that's next year will be his last year and he won't even make it the whole year. That was a really good point you made about them just being in a conference where half the conference is in Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 hard. Like it's it's and, and it's one of those things when it comes to real expansion and realignment, these schools really don't think about like they, they just say, oh, we're going to make so much more money. Are you going to win? How are you going to win? UCLA, how the hell are you going to win games in the Big Ten? Because now if I'm in from Arizona and normally because UCLA actually has a lot of Arizonans on their team. Right. So if I'm from Arizona um, and I want to go, I was going to go play at UCLA, but now you don't come to Arizona anymore. So why would I go play for you? If I'm in Colorado, if I'm in Utah, why would I go play for you anymore? Right. And, and let me tell you something. It's great to say that, hey, we're L.A., we're L.A. school. But if I live in 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 Cincinnati, that's cool and all, but I could go to Ohio State. It's right here. Michigan State's not too far. Like, yeah, LA is LA. That's fantastic. But I'm not going to ever see my family. You know what I mean? And so it's not going to be that easy to just recruit the Midwest like that just because you're in LA. I think UCLA is going to have some problems. USC luckily is a national brand. I, I don't really think it matters what conference they're in. They'll be fine um, as long as they have a good coach. But UCLA, I think, is going to struggle. I mean, expansion – like these same way West Virginia is when you're on an island, it's tough. I think UCF and the Big 12 is going to struggle because they're going to be on an island. Um, it's just being on an island is not easy. 
I'd say out of all the teams that Iowa State's played this year out of the seven Big 12 teams, West Virginia's probably been the least impressive out of all of them. Well, they're also the team you blew out, so that's... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. But I mean, yeah. like, even Kansas was like... I was impressed with a lot of points of them. Kansas State was a close game. I was impressed mm-hmm. with them. Actually, it was like... Again, this maybe again maybe it's just playing against Iowa State. It's not the best judge. Probably the most impressive was Oklahoma. That that was probably the most impressive. That them or Baylor. Every other game that like Iowa State probably could have won. I guess we could probably just transition to Iowa State and Texas Tech part of the podcast now. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting game. Texas Tech, Iowa State. Um, I think as it stands right now, here, here. as we record. Uh, here, tell me what you've thought about Texas Tech season this year. You had a year of transition, hiring Joey McGuire from Baylor. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think of him so far this year? How's this year been going for Texas Tech? What's the temperature of the room right now? Joey McGuire is a wild boy. Let me tell you something. <laughs> he is a wild boy. That guy is the most aggressive SOB uh, coach I think I've ever seen. Mind you, we spent a decade with Mike Leach, and we thought that's as aggressive as it gets. Right, but Joey McGuire, man, he is he'll go for it on fourth and five on his own 35. Like he is he he causes me heart palpitations. He is um yeah, he is a stressful guy. But I'll say this that aggression has won at least two games, like the Houston game and the Texas game. Um, any other coach we lose. Like that's just that aggression won us both of those games. Um, I would even argue the West Virginia game, we blew out West Virginia. But if you look in that game, it was the middle 10. The last five minutes of the second quarter, the first five minutes of the third quarter, where Joey was wildly aggressive, blew the whole game open. Without that middle 10, that game is a lot closer, and who knows what happens, right? But now as you look forward, you look back, you're like, oh, that was just a Texas Tech blowout. It was that middle 10 that really did it. And that aggression that both Joey McGuire and Zach Kelly, the offensive coordinator, have has been incredible. I think Joey McGuire, when it comes to Texas Tech fan base, he can do no wrong. And I, I don't think this is a very great roster, by the way. I don't think this roster – at tech is amazing by any stretch. I think our quarterbacks we've had, we were talking about quarterback problems. I don't know any team in the conference that has had as much quarterback injury issues as Texas tech. Um, all three court, we came into the year saying that we had three starter worthy quarterbacks coming into the year. All three of them have been hurt. Um, played through all three of them have played through injury. All three of them have, have been banged up and couldn't play. Like just, it's been, it's been ridiculous. Um, not just that our O-line, the whole O line's been hurt, right? Like, so we've had injury problems there. Our best wide receiver, Miles Price, he got hurt, right? And so our outside receivers have kind of struggled this year as they're all young and trying to get separation has been difficult for them. Like, so we've had so many offensive issues that Joey's had to really be aggressive and had to like build this team up um, a little bit. Also, he's like, he has the most amazing locker room speeches I think I've ever heard. He's a true high school coach because that locker room speech game is on point. Um, no, no. Overall, I think Joey McGuire is he fits Tech. Um, I expect him to be here for a while. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, you know it's good as a head coach when you can lose five games in your first year and nobody blames you. I don't think anybody's blamed Joey McGuire. People blame Zach Kelly. People come after Zach Kelly. People come after some of the players, but Joey McGuire. The fan base loves him. And so um, he is – Matt Wells is very jealous right now because I don't think the fan base ever really loved him. But Joey McGuire, uh, even even if something happens and we lose the next two games of five and seven, everybody will still be in Joey we trust because, again, we look at the next recruiting class coming up and we're like, hmm, that's a top 20 class right there, and we haven't had one of those in a minute. 
So he's done a really good job of winning over the fans. I can tell just by no how you're talking. No question. Yeah, no, he's he's a uh, and I'm and I, I don't get infatuated with new coaches easy. I don't think um I I'm trying to think of the last Texas Tech head coach that I liked in year one. Cliff. No, nah, I didn't like Cliff in year one. I think so. So funny thing, Cliff went seven and five in year one, but he lost five straight games to end the season. And I was I was pretty upset that we get we offered him a contract extension after year one because I didn't think he had shown anything yet. And um, so yeah, so I, I I wasn't a huge fan of Cliff in year one. Um, I didn't hate Tuberville in year one, so maybe him. I don't know. Even though that year one of Tommy Tuberville was actually an amazing Texas Tech team that he helped waddle to a uh, eight and five record. So I don't, yeah, I, I I don't get, I, you know, you're not going to win me over very easily, but you, you pull a team that I thought was going to go four and eight to a bowl and you uh, have a top 20 recruiting class all in year one. That'll do it. I'll, I'll be on your side. So when the eyes of the nation are viewing the Iowa state, Texas tech game tomorrow on TV, what, what are we going to expect from Texas tech? Who, who are some of the star players? How do they play? What are we going to see on the Texas Tech side well, of the field? First of first thing, if the eyes of the nation that are not Iowa State and Texas Tech fans turn on that game, they will immediately turn it off. This game is going to be so boring. This game is going to be so dull. Uh, it's not going to be exciting whatsoever. Two teams that offensively have struggled this year. Um, so for Tech, you know, and, and I'll start on offense. Like I said, our quarterback situation has been interesting, mostly because of the injuries. Tyler Shuck, who was our QB one to start the season, two drives in, hurts his, hurts his collarbone. that He had re-injured his collarbone from last year. Um, and doesn't he didn't really play again up until two weeks ago against Baylor, where he looked awful, looked absolutely awful. Uh, last week was QB one again, got a full week to prepare, and actually looked pretty good against um, – I just look pretty good against Kansas. Now, Kansas' defense is not great, not even good, not even average. They're pretty, they're they're, they're not they're pretty bad. Uh, but still, the zip was back. He was back to being mobile. He started to look like the guy that we thought he'd be. And so if that guy is back, then I'm actually pretty excited. Like if that Tyler Shuck is back, then I think that just raises the level of the entire team. Um, but we still we still don't really know if that's Really, Tyler Shock, if that's fool's goal, playing Kansas' defense. Our running game is very good uh, with Todd Brooks, Sirajic Thompson, and now Cameron Valdez, uh, freshman running back, getting some playing time. Running game is really good. We just recently have not run it enough to my liking. Uh, I think the more we run, the better chance we have of actually winning the game to an O-line that's not very alone, an O-line that's thin. Very thin, not good pass pro, but actually pretty decent run blocker, right? Big, ugly run blocking. Um, then our receivers, outside struggles, but inside, inside slots are pretty good there. Um, but we're not the high-flying, put-up 80, 80 points type of team that that uh, people assume Tech is, right? Like Zach Kelly led, led the country in scoring last year, so I think everybody assumed that how he'd be able to hit the ground running at Tech, and we just haven't really been that. I mean, we scored 43 against West Virginia and Kansas, but against better defenses, we've struggled. And it's in the second half, we've struggled even more. I put up before last week's Kansas game, we've been tied or leading the fourth quarter in, in the uh four times this year. And we were one and three. One and three tied or leading the game going into the fourth quarter. Um, luckily we were able to win last week, so we're at two and three, but it's really been a struggle to get points in the second half against Oklahoma State, only put up seven points that entire second half. 
Um, Baylor, we got destroyed. TCU, we had the lead and we weren't able to get, we weren't able to keep it and we ended up losing it. And so that's been a problem there offensively, just getting points when it matters the most. Uh, defensively, defensively has been really good. It's been really good. And, and offense has put defense in really bad situations. So when it comes to points given up per game, it's kind of deflated there or it's, it's kind of inflated there a little bit. Um, the, you know, but you look at some of the yardage, like we lead the big 12 and, and, or second in the big 12. Sorry. We don't lead the big 12. You know, who leads the big 12, but we're second in the big 12 in pass defense. Let me refer. Let me say that again. Texas tech university is second in the big 12 in passing defense. That is wild. Um, our secondary is amazing. I think, I think we have this, I know you're going to dispute it, but I think we have the best secondary in the big 12. Um, I think there's only one team that could argue against it. And, and I'm, I'm talking to, I'm in that, I'm talking to you about it. Um, that's Iowa state, but I think Texas tech secondary has been fantastic. So everybody on there has played at least four years of college ball. Um, it's just our problem at Tucker on defense is run defense has struggled at times, right? Uh, Baylor was able to kill us with Richard Reese. Um, TCU game, they were able to run the ball quite a bit with Kendry Miller. Uh, Kansas State destroyed us with Adrian Martinez and uh, and Deuce Vaughn. So that's running the ball is how Iowa State's going to be able to same, win. Same thing like, we kind of talked about it. K State, like, yeah, yeah. You <laughs> no. know, like, like those two, <laughs> those two guys. It was and our run defense wasn't able to help. But you know, we talked about a pre-pod, and luckily for us, Tech here, you know, your running game ain't been too shabby or what hasn't been that great this year either so it's kind of given me a little bit of hope wow great description i haven't honestly yeah, watched strong. i haven't watched tech too much this year i can't really dispute on any point that you made the secondary iowa state secondary is really really young it's really like we have freshmen playing in that secondary but talented though it's y'all have a very talented surprisingly talented yeah because yeah. Campbell's kind of weird where, and this is another reason I think that he is fine with being at Iowa state. He, I think their coaching staff really likes just guys that are recruited at one position. And then if they don't either don't have the talent to play, like if a guy's recruit. So for example, a guy that I think became, I think he became an all American uh, who was a one-time Ankeny quarterback, 15 minutes from Ames, Joel Lanning. Uh, which you remember, yeah, I think he scored that. like six touchdowns. Yeah, we don't have to go. <laughs> I, will, I, will, I will bring that up. But like, you know, the next year after that, he's a middle linebacker for the football team and is like the heart of the defense. This year, uh, we had Anthony Johnson, who I guess it's a different transition, transition from cornerback to safety. We have this guy who was recruited as a quarterback. His name's Easton Dean. He's now a tight end. He's not that good of a tight end, but they still kind of, uh, transitioned him there. The story with Iowa State this year, it's been kind of like a roller coaster to a degree. And I'm not necessarily sure what to think about it because they beat Iowa the first time this year. I did a whole like 15, 20 minute thing about Matt Campbell. And like, that was the one thing that he hadn't done in his tenure at Iowa State was beat Iowa. And it was, if you look at some of those games, Iowa kicked their butt pretty handily in a few of those, but like the games that they lost, it was like really fluky and weird. And there was like some really big mental hurdles. And if you watch the Iowa, Iowa state game this year, it was a really weird game. There was punts being blocked. Like Decker's threw a few interceptions and 
I think that was a really huge win just mentally, even for the future of that rivalry where they just got over this hump. You know, sometimes like I think teams can build confidence over time, you know, like when the Golden State Warriors won in 2015, the next year they came back with a whole new swagger and confidence. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking that maybe Iowa State was going to have that after that game heading into the rest of this year. You play Baylor at home. Baylor and Iowa State have kind of been going back and forth the last few years. Baylor kind of like handled Iowa State. It, I'm looking at the schedule right now. It says that Baylor beat Iowa State by a touchdown, but the game really wasn't that close. Baylor kind of manhandled Iowa State. Then you play Kansas. Freshman kicker misses three field goals. Brock gets hurt. Uh, Jarrell Brock, who that is, uh, gets hurt in that game. Then the next week, Kansas State. That game was really weird, too. Uh, really close game at home. Uh, I don't know if you remember Kansas State had this like huge like I can't remember if it was a 99 yard play. They're the only team that's had like huge, huge plays against Iowa State this year. But uh, Iowa State defender might have been Anthony Johnson knocked the ball out of his hands like right at the one yard line and like turned the ball over. So that game was kind of weird. Hutchinson dropped like a wide open pass as Iowa State was trying to drive to go and maybe kick a game winning field goal at the end of that one. So you could argue Iowa State could have won that game. Hutchinson the next week drops a wide open catch that probably could have been a touchdown against Texas at Texas. Yeah. Could have won them mm, the game. That hurt. Fast forward to last week, driving in that last drive, Deckers throws a bomb to Jalen Knoll, sophomore wide receiver. He drops it. It's like deja vu. So it's like, again, that was the last drive. He catches it. He gets pretty. He gets at least into the red zone if he doesn't score a touchdown. And the way that game was going, I don't think Oklahoma State with Sanders, who wasn't even supposed to play, would drive and you know score with like less than a minute left. So like I just went over like three games there or four games there. Was it three? Uh, no, four games there that Iowa State probably could have won. And if that's the case, I'm not saying, you know, typically you like want to win half of those games. That's typically how the law of averages works out. But just the grand scheme of this team, this def- this is the best Iowa State defense I've seen, which is kind of a shocker. You have Ashim Young who transferred to Ole Miss and other, a few other defensive players transferred out. Will McDonald's like awesome on the defensive line, but this is the best Iowa State defensive line that I've seen. Mike Rose went to the NFL. A bunch of other linebackers left. Linebackers are fine. Yeah. So I think, and I think that's something with this Heacock Campbell combo that we're going to see with Iowa State over the rest of their tenure here is that the defense, they're just, whether they always just find diamonds in the rough, they're always just going to be fine. The real trouble with this Iowa State football team is their offense is terrible. They probably have the worst offensive line in the Big 12. And it's always been that way. And I read like a preview about it where they interviewed other Big 12 coaches. It's like, hey, they're not talented, but they somehow block people. We don't get it. Uh, the tight ends have been terrible. We still play them. We have an all Big 12 fullback. The only reason he's an all Big 12 fullback is because there's two and a half fullbacks in the Big 12. Um, he comes in there as supposed to be a run blocker, doesn't block anybody. At least he doesn't, you know, isn't put in his position to. They can't run the ball. It's very much in their passing game. It's very much one guy, and that's it. And 
just to wrap it all up, I think this is going to be a low scoring game tomorrow. I, I think if Texas Tech is going to score four touchdowns, they're probably going to win. And I'm still on the fence if I'm going to go to the game. It's going to be like in the teens, probably at kickoff. It's going to be a cold game. It's been cold all week in Iowa. So I think the Iowa State football team's more acclimated to it. Tech has struggled on the road this whole year. I think Iowa State should probably win this game, but who knows? They might, you know, shoot themselves in the foot. But I feel like Tech's done that a little bit too this year. Yeah, I mean, Iowa State should win the game, right? And I think y'all are favored to win the game. I think y'all are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, <clears throat> Iowa State has the luxury of you are at home. You are playing another team that isn't great, right? Um, you're, we struggled offensively, and y'all are fantastic defensively, best in the Big 12 in both run, pass, and just overall. Um, they're, they're, so ninth, this is, they're ninth in the country in oppo- uh, opponents' points per game. Yeah, like that's uh, – well, so part of that is also because the offense is slow. And so it gives your defense time to, to to rest. Even if they go three and out, they're wasting three minutes to do so. Right. So like it's um the offense is slow, gives the defense some rest, and then they kind of the end of the defense is just really good. Right. And so this is a game that does set up in Iowa State's favor. Though it's cold, I actually expect y'all are used to it. I expect the stadium to be full at senior night. And it's also your bet. If y'all are gonna go to a bowl game, you're gonna win the, you're gonna have to win this game. And it's if I'm an Iowa State fan, I'm saying, okay, well, we got two games left, Texas Tech, TCU. TCU is going to be harder to win in Fort Worth. We actually might win to beat Texas Tech, so I want to go to that game. Like that, That's the game that if I'm an Iowa State fan, if I'm a senior at Iowa State, I want to watch the last you know potential win that there is, even if it's in the teens. So I actually think the stadium is still going to be loud, right? I think the stadium is still going to be full against a, and a Texas Tech team that has, like you said, has not done well on the road. We are 5-1 and one at home, 0-5 oh on the road. Right. Like that's just, we just have not been. Um, I'm sure I got that wrong somewhere, but we just have not been very good on on the road at, at all. So, uh, oh, and four on the road. Sorry. That's where, that's where I was wrong. Five and one at home, oh, and four on the road. So we just haven't been very good at, at on the road whatsoever. Um, so this is a game that very much could plays in Iowa State's favor. I, I was actually going back and forth on who I thought was going to win this game. Um, Going back and forth and who I thought was going to win this game all week. Uh, earlier in the week, I said Tech would win. Then I changed my mind like on a Tuesday. I was like, nah, I just I just don't see it. We're not, it's not in the cards. Like, I, we can't win on the road. Um, and then I started watching some film of the Iowa State offense. And, man, that's a struggle bus, baby. Like, that's, that is a struggling offense. Um, and like you said, or like we're talking about pre-pod, our run defense struggles, but your run offense isn't very good. I think, you know, the Big 12 is is full of incredible running, rushing offenses. Like you got an, an incredible running backs. Tech's running backs are both really good. And you got Deuce Vaughn and you have Bijan Robinson and you have Kendra Miller. And there's just so many good running backs in the Big 12. Devin Neal, Devin Neal killed Tech last, a couple weeks ago against, uh, or I said a couple weeks ago, last week with Kansas. Like Devin Neal was incredible for Kansas. Um, so many good running backs. Unfortunately, I think Javel Brox might be the worst of the running backs in the Big 12. And I'm not saying that because he sucks. But he it's doesn't just, he's play. Not, he's not. Yeah, well, there's that. And he's also just not on the same level as, as some. Actually, the best running game that y'all had this year, he didn't play at all. I think he had like two two or three rushes. And the best rushing attack y'all had, which was that West Virginia game. Um, so it's, it, it's your, your rushing is not good. And then also talking about the worst, I think Hunter Deckers is the worst quarterback in the, in the conference. 
And so luckily this game, you're not going to have Tyree Wilson for Texas Tech. Tyree Wilson, if you don't know who he is now, you will hear his name quite a bit in the next decade. He will be a top 10 pick in the the NFL draft. Um, He's 6'6", 260, great pass rusher. Um, He's a candidate for Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. He's been incredible, Uh, but he's not going to play. He got hurt in the last game against Kansas. He's already been ruled out for this game. Um, And so he's not going to play at all. So that's actually a, a, a positive for Iowa State. Problem is, is that he's not by himself, right? We have uh, both Tony Bradford and Jalen Hutchins in the middle. They've been incredible this year. Uh, Josiah Pierre has been a good pass rusher off the edge as well. And we're, I think we're going to go after and get after Hunter Deckers and, and an O-line that struggled this year. Um, one thing I think people will watch see when watching this game is, is two offenses that kind of – like the both O-line struggle – both quarterbacks struggle at times, but I do think if the Tyler Shuck that played against Kansas plays again, like you, you mentioned four touchdowns will probably win the game. I'd even argue three touchdowns will probably win the game, and I think Tech will get at least three touchdowns. I was looking the other day at Deckers, and like I mentioned it earlier, I don't think I mentioned it since we started recording, that like Deckers leads the Big 12 in passing yards and attempts. He's on pay. I was doing this. I was just curious. I'm like, how is this different from Purdy? Like, wh- how are his stats different? He's on pace to throw more attempts this year than than Purdy ever did is an entire career for a single season. And I think this is probably like one thing I'm very worried about looking at Iowa State heading into next year is like Hutchinson's going to be gone. I Jalen Knowles nice, but like. I don't know if he's a guy that's going to catch like a hundred passes for you. He's, you know, smaller. He's more of a slot guy. The running backs. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen next year. Brock's actually technically a junior. So he could be back. All of these running backs should be back, but I don't know if they're gonna be that good. And if we're not going to go into the transfer portal and beef up this offensive line, or we're not going to make a coaching decision and maybe have a different coordinator come in and be which I'm not even sure if that's the right problem but like Iowa State doesn't do anything fancy offensively they don't like they run the ball but they don't they don't do any creative runs it's just like hand off to the halfback and like all right let's try and run it through our crappy offensive line and it's just I'm very very nervous to see what Iowa State's going to do next year especially too we were talking earlier Iowa State's got a big quarterback recruit coming in if Iowa State struggles early offensively, like next year could be a very, very questionable year for Iowa State. And I'm not sure what the future of this team holds. I'm a little yeah. about that. That's, I mean, I think you bring up a lot of great points. Like, I mean, and, and that's one of the reasons talking about um, Decker is one of the reasons why I actually also think Tech's going to win this game is because he's throwing a lot of passes. He, like you said, leads the league in, in passing yards and, and all that stuff. Um, ma- main thing is, is he's also, throwing a lot of interceptions because he's keying in on those two guys you just mentioned, Xavier Hutchinson and, and Jalen Neal. Like those, those are the only two receivers you really have, right? Like you don't have before with Brock Purdy, there was some guys that you could pass to. Like you're sure there was Xavier Hutchinson. Sure. You had the tight ends, but like you could really pass the ball around if you wanted to, you had some talent this year. It's really just those two guys, Hutchinson and Neal. And you don't really have a lot that you can just spread the ball around. And I mean, Hutchinson has a thousand yards. He has more yards by himself in the entire rushing game. Or then, then all your running backs combined. So like that's if I know if I'm a secondary, I just said that I think Texas Tech's the best secondary in the conference. If I know that, okay, they're gonna go after these two guys, 
we're going to attack these two guys. We're going to force some interceptions. Um, but it's funny because something's got to give because Iowa State gives up the most interceptions and Texas Tech has the fewest interceptions in a conference. So what's uh, <laughs> something's got to give. And I just think Texas Tech's going to be able to 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 get the the turnovers that they've been they've been uh, fiending for. It'll be a really uh, really good game to watch. I feel like I'll I'll be entertained. I'm either gonna be really happy or really frustrated. There's not gonna be any in between. <laughs> That's... You, you have any other games this weekend that you think maybe, maybe any upset picks that you're looking uh... at right now? That's actually that's a good question. I don't know. Let me. I gotta. It doesn't have to be Big Twelve quick. either. Let me. Let me. Let me pull this up real quick. I would love. I would love to say that TCU is going to lose to Baylor. Like that'd be hilarious. That'd be just. Oh, that'd be just so funny. Right. Like I'm not. I'm not a Big Twelve homer in that. Like I want all Big Twelve teams to, you know, do good. And I don't. I. I. I couldn't care less. Actually, I. If it was between. Big 12 getting extra money and having somebody in the college football playoff and me just like getting a chance to laugh at TCU for losing and missing out on that opportunity. I'm going to laugh and lose and miss out last year when Oklahoma state was a yard away from going to the college football playoff. I laughed. thought it was hilarious. And I would do the same thing if TC loses to Baylor here. Uh, I'm not bold enough to pick them to lose, but I do think they could. I do think, you know what? Now nah, screw it. I'm going to be bold. Um, you know, I'm a tortillas and takes host. TCU's losing this week. I'm going to say it. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Yeah, TC was losing this week. Um, <clears throat> so that's – that's uh, yeah, I'm going to say it with my chest. Uh, so there's that one. Um, you know, I don't really see too many other upsets as I, as I scroll down here. You know, uh, is, I don't know if Louisville beating NC State's a real upset or not, uh, but that's one. I do think Tennessee-South Carolina is going to be close. I don't know if it's going to be close enough for South Carolina to win but I do think it's going to be close. I think the chink in the armor has kind of been broken a little bit for Tennessee. Um, and I, I, I think Tennessee probably wins, but the question is, does Hendon Hooker have a Heisman moment? I'm not sure. I think he's still probably the forerunner in the Heisman, but I thought last week really, really knocked him down quite a bit. Now you have a bunch of other people like Phoenix and like some of the other guys that are right behind him saying, Oh, what about me? Like, I'm, I'm still here. I'm still good. Um, and so we'll, we'll see what happens there. I think it'll be close. Um, you know, uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, that game's going to be close. Um, o- Oklahoma, depending on how much Sanders plays, there's a Sanders could be coming back in this game. Uh, the more Sanders plays, the better chance Oklahoma State has of winning. Sanders did play last. And when I say play, I mean like really play, not that gimmicky stuff they tried to do last week. I'm talking about like getting in at the quarterback position and keep uh, Gunnar Gundy as far away from the quarterback position as possible. But, uh, why why'd uh, Mike Gundy make his son a lefty? <laughs> I just remember watching the game last time. I'm like, who's that? I'm like, I'm like Gundy. But, uh, oh, and oh, and also real quick, sorry. Uh UCLA is gonna get whooped by USC. It's gonna be, it's gonna be um yeah, they're gonna get whooped by USC's gonna gonna beat them like they stole something. Um so yeah, so that'll be fun. A lot of good football this weekend. We're winding down the season. How's Tech's basketball team looking? Men's basketball team? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, first two games. I'll say, I, I will say the thing, this team is going to both amaze me and frustrate me. Um, I The offense might actually be better than last year, which is pretty amazing to say when you lose your two star veterans and Terrence Shannon and Kevin McCuller, you lose your your best big man um, in, in Williams. And 
you assume that, okay, well, you know, it's going to be kind of a, not a rebuild, but like a reloading, retooling year. But the offense actually has looked really good in all three games this year. Um, it's taken a little bit for the defense to come along, right? And the team is young. We have five freshmen on this team, so it's very young. So I know it's going to frustrate me. I know freshmen are going to make freshman mistakes. Pop Isaacs is already leading the conference in turnovers, I want to say. Um, but uh, the offense can be very exciting. And so if you have – any time you pair an exciting offense with a Mark Adams defense, the team can be dangerous, right? But because of how young we are, there's going to be some baby steps that we're going to have to figure out. But it's still, still going to be a pretty good team. I think we're a top – right now we're ranked 23rd. I would say we're probably a top 20 team in the conference. Um, you know, and so that's – will we compete for the conference title? I don't know. Baylor and Kansas are both very good. Um, but I think we'll be right behind them fighting with TCU and Texas for, for number three. Iowa State, I don't know how good they'll be as far as the conference goes, but they'll be a tournament team. I think y'all are going to surprise people. I really do. I they, think y'all are really going to surprise they're, people. They're a lot more talented than last year. Yeah. And they're better offensively, which was kind of their Achilles heel. Even though Hunter Hunter leaving was uh, a big blow to y'all, and I hate that he went to Texas. Yeah. Um, I hate that he went to Texas. Uh, I mean, we had Kevin McCullough leave Tech to go to Kansas. So, uh, and Hunter looked really good when Texas played played Gonzaga the other night. Uh, and and so the whole time when he was playing, I'm like, man, that if you add Hunter to the Iowa State team, that they, I think that would have put y'all right where Tech, TCU, and Texas are uh, right now. But you know, it is what it is. I agree with that too. And uh, I can't remember what the player's name is because he tore his Achilles before the season started, but we had a transfer come in that was supposed to kind of replace Hunter and be the point guard. Yeah. I know exactly. And, what you're talking uh, about. I can't, um, I can't remember his name right now. Yeah. Just let me do. Um, and then, uh, so we have this true freshman that's from Ames that is, you know, replacing him and I'm not, he seems like he's played all right. I don't know how much you can tell when they're playing, when Iowa state's playing like these not good teams not elite you know not power five yeah. teams but i think that's going to be kind of a weakness which was kind of a weakness last year where iowa state just like they they weirdly just had trouble bringing the ball up the court which you think should be a lot easier than it actually is but they have they, it seems like they have more depth this year for the first time in my lifetime of watching the team we actually have like a really big guy which we usually kind of play small ball but we yeah. just, I, I can't even assume he's kind of he's got like a difficult to pronounce name, but it'll be really interesting. We'll have to do a pod previewing one of the tech Iowa State games. Absolutely. Do, do the one before Hilton so that <laughs> so that Iowa State will win that one. All right, Alvie, uh, we've been talking for a little bit over an hour now. Do you I do. I did forget okay. to tell I did forget to tell you the one reason why y'all are struggling this oh, year. Oh yeah, yeah, State. tell us. So here's the reason why. And you kind of you alluded to it a little bit with Iowa State beating Iowa for the first time. Y'all went undefeated in non-con. That was it. <laughs> y'all always lose at least one non-con game for a successful season. Y'all have not went undefeated in non-con since 20 non-con since 2012. 2012 was the last time you entered conference season 3 and 0. And this year you were 3-0. You're feeling good. You had your swagger. And that's why y'all are struggling this year. So I figured it out. That's it. My my whole thing uh, last year was like, we just need to start scheduling Iowa to like the last game of the year. Because that's usually when like Iowa's like so frustrated with their team. 
And like, 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 like the Nebraska Iowa game every year is like so hilarious because both fan bases are just like mad at their <laughs> mad at themselves for different reasons. Yeah, and it's like it's just a horrible game where like mistakes are being happened like every other play. Quarterbacks are throwing terrible passes. Like <laughs> people are missing blocks. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, you're right. Uh. I, that is kind of a weird fluke. Even when they won the Fiesta Bowl, lost the first game of the year to Louisiana. People forget. Yeah. yeah. All right, Alvy, do you want to tell us where we can find all of your work and then we can get out of here? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Tortillas and Takes podcast, anywhere you get your podcast. Uh, we talk to all Texas Tech all the time. We make a lot of jokes. Um, basically, what you just heard from me for the last hour and a half is what you'll hear again repeatedly over at TNT. And we have takes. Like the take that I said with Baylor beating TCU this week, we have takes just like that. When that happens, James, you, you let people know that they heard it here first. We'll let this video go viral. Absolutely. Well, it won't go viral on Twitter because Twitter won't be here on, on uh, Monday. But It'll be dead. Yeah, it'll be dead by then. But um, <laughs> it'll go viral somewhere. All right. Thanks a lot, as always, man. Yeah, thank you. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sports Detective Podcast. Thanks again to Albie Shore for joining us. Make sure you go and check out all of his content. He brings you a lot of good Big 12 news, a lot of hot takes coming from him. And make sure you, uh, you know, check back into the feed. We're going to have a few episodes next week as we approach Thanksgiving. And if you want to follow the show for updates and me on Twitter and Instagram, my handle is JDMajor2. So make sure you follow me there. Make sure you subscribe to the feed. And thanks again. I will see you next time. Go Cyclones.